When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Coogan Cassius for IFL TV at 10 minutes past fucking 12. Only where you are, boy. Where? What time is it where you are? Uh, I am currently in Miami and it is 7 o'clock. I'm about to fly to San Antonio. Found a little room in Miami Airport, right touch in the lounge. Just said VIP on it. So I thought that's a bit of me. Open the door, there's no one in here. So I might be getting kicked out live on the Zoom, but it'll make great viewing, don't worry. Can we leave it all in? I'll be like, no, 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 seriously, no, 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 you need to leave now. Oh, oh, okay. So just you left for America on Sunday. What have you been doing exactly? Just chilling, just having a bit of uh, downtime. Bit of downtime. Chilling? Yeah. Do what? Is that all right? Is that okay with me? A couple of those. Huh? You went on holidays, like a pre flight. Yeah, I did, go, I did go on holiday. And uh, now heading to San Antonio. Okay. We'll come uh, on. Press to... conference tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, et cetera. Today. By the time this goes out, it'll be later today. Okay. Um, let's kind of just recap because we only got a few minutes after uh, the O2, which was very late on. Um, Saturday night, Sunday morning. But um, just looking back on that now, what are your thoughts about AJ's performance? I actually think it was a decent performance. I've watched it back. I mean, I think we know what we want. I, I'm the first to always admit it in performances that don't necessarily thrill the crowd because they're not aggressive enough and, you know, they're not just dominating and you're not going for a knockout that ultimately is what people want to see. There was a lot of stuff I liked, and I thought I summed it up well on the night. Solid, not spectacular. You know, I thought a lot of the stuff that he's been working on Derek James, with Derek James was evident. I think he should have been more aggressive, but I also understand that, you know, if he lost on Saturday night, his career was over. So he's coming off the back of two defeats. He needed to win. So I thought he boxed very smart. I've had long chats with him. I don't think he's over the moon with his performance, but I think on reflection... You know, he won nearly every round against Jermaine Franklin. So, minus the knockout, I thought it was a good performance, but would like to have seen a little bit more aggression, I think, as everybody would have. Well, when I spoke to you afterwards, obviously, a lot of stuff that happened after the fight, we kind of touched on, but, like, obviously, we've all watched it back now. Now, the moment after the fight with him and, and Franklin, do you just put that down to emotion from Joshua? Yeah, I think he... Tapped him on the back of the head, like as if to say whatever, and he turned around and gave it to him, and he reacted. And 
There was a bit of that during the fight, wasn't there? You know, at the, at the end of rounds. Um, so I don't really take much from that at all. But, you know, I, I just feel that um, it just should, should have been a little bit more aggressive in the fight. Um, should, have, should have worked more on the inside, which we talked about. And when he did, he was really effective. Um, but he's been through a lot and he's had a lot of changes. And there was a lot of pressure on, on, on that fight. So all in all, I'm pleased to be sitting here with a win for Anthony Joshua, planning his next fight currently as we speak. Is there any answer to why round 12 ended seven seconds early? Absolutely, I have no idea. Instead of asking me these questions, why don't you ask the British boxer more control? If I could get in front of them... Well, they're giving enough interviews. Yeah, don't start all that, they don't like me capers that you did in the... I didn't. I didn't. Well, when did I start? No, that's where you were heading. I'm seeing British Boxing Board of Control interviews every day. So you're asking me why a British Boxing Board of Control time... If, if the, I didn't even know the round did finish seven seconds early. Right. Well, I was watching it as in the, the screen at the top of the O2, myself. Okay. Yes. Ended but that might not early. be. I mean, that could be a TV production issue. I've no idea. But you can ask the board if... You know, go back and watch the round perhaps time it and then see if it was three minutes and then let me know. You can do that before you go to bed tonight, son. I'll let you know. Um, what the fuck was Bellew doing? Bellew? Do you know what was actually funny? <laughs> the Bellew actually kicking off with uh, the the part of Franklin's team. It was Carl Froch, how he invested Carl Froch. The funniest. Go on, him, Tony. Kill him. Kill him, Tony. <laughs> I've got to say, right, like the, the old school fighters, you know, it was a great era and... Bellew's hilarious. Bellew, easy. I know a lot of people, so a lot of people, I know some people don't like Bellew, right? But honestly, you know, right? Yeah. There is not a more loyal guy who would have your back in any circumstance, right? I've been with him before. I've told, he's like, right, come on. Let's, let's go and have it. Let's go and have it. And that was just another situation of nothing to him, really. But someone's gone for AJ, like or the trainers sort of grabbed him or whatever, and he's just he can't take it out of him. And Froch was absolute. I've got to say as well, Carl Froch is one of the funniest geezers I've ever met in my life. Like, and he Carl can just say some outrageous things sometimes, but his sense of humour absolutely tickles the life out of me. It really does because it just winds people up. And he's got such a he's got so many bizarre um, just ideas and and views on stuff but he is he just makes me laugh Carl. i think he's so funny and yeah i, I love that era of fighters i think british boxing definitely misses, uh, mrs carl froch but also tony bellew those of course, kind of, of course. Yeah. Love that, yeah the sport sport in general has become a lot more serious because obviously there's more and more money in sport now right so and sometimes obviously the world has changed as well so people have been a lot more sort of, um, they're, just, they're just thinking about what they say and, and, and how they act a little bit more. Where back in the day, it was just basically a free-for-all. I mean, I was listening to some David Hay quotes the other day from the Audley Harrison fight, right? Which I'm not going to say now because it actually, I mean, and I was just like, I can't, and that, yeah, there, there was a bit of controversy when he said, but David's a nice bloke, but it's just, everything's changed. So I think you in sport in general, the personalities are being drained out of people because of the way they're having to act and behave and in some sports how they're media trained, etc. But with Froch and Bellew, 
they're kind of still from that old mould. I mean, I know what comments you're talking about with David Hay in, in today's era, if you want. Yeah, listen, he, he said it to be tongue-in-cheek yeah. about it. He was like, it's just David. like built, and But, and let's move on from those comments, but just comments in general. Yeah. You know, I just feel that, you know, the world's a lot, much more of a softer place now than it was when they were fighting. Um, just to finish off on the other night, I do want to talk to you about Fabio Wardley because the situation regarding him and David Adelaide has been kind of like furthering and brewing since Saturday with some social media remarks and posts, etc. You commented on one earlier on today. What, what is the actual likely chances that we could see this fight? Fraser Clark also getting involved. I mean, I, I, mean, I heard about A sides and you know, B-sides, and I've seen all the stuff online. I mean, look, firstly, let's make one thing clear. There's only one A-side in this fight, and it's the British heavyweight champion, Fabio Wardley. It's the guy that fought in front of 18,000 people on Saturday in their seats, not boxing earlier in the night or, you know, whatever. Got a massive reception at the O2, had another very good win, and has wins on his record considerably better than the other two that are calling him out. Now, we talk about A-side and B-side. I don't want to get into that. It's a British heavyweight title fight. But Fabio Walton is the champion. And unless someone wants to pay a fortune to take him as the away fighter on another show and another platform, then we'll be doing what we're going to do for Fabio Walton's career. Thank you very much which is defend the British title, which is to make sure that... Hello. Sorry. <laughs> Who is it? As I was going to say. Yeah. Is it? Oh, could I, could I finish this call? Or are you gonna... Honestly, I was going to say five minutes, but it probably will be ten minutes. It's just a, it's a big media interview, and I couldn't. there's no uh, space out there for privacy. Is that all right? I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Um, unbelievable. Uh, she weren't happy to be fair. Very nice lady. American Airlines, thank you very much. Okay, just someone came to excuse me. This this room is reserved. I think she actually said reserved for VIPs. I was like, no context, huh? Um, anyway, so he's 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 the governor he's the champion and i love the adelaide fight i love the fraser park fight and i love the soldatus fight and they're all fights that he's going to need to have to take to secure the british title british heavyweight title outright for keeps but right now he's the man and they're all calling him out and well done fabio Woodley. listen he's really growing in ability in stature in maturity i really like him what i see from fabio Woodley, and i absolutely back him to beat those two every day of the week. So we love those fights. Be interesting to see what happens with that. I feel like now, even though you've got time to kill, I feel like I'm on a bit of a mission now. To you are, I man. You said 10 minutes, but... Ugh. All right, I like the way I said, I was going to say five, but I'll be honest with you, it's probably going to be 10, Well, done. You did that for the fans. Well done, mate. Yeah. Um, Eddie, come on, let's jump straight into it. Yesterday, the news broke out that um, Amir Khan has previously last year failed uh, a test for Osterine uh, in relation to the Kell Brook fight. I mean, 
I'm assuming that you found this out the same time as the public found it out yesterday, you. Correct. A lot of people in boxing knew about this. I'll just keep it real. I didn't. But I know everyone, I mean, not everyone, a lot of people involved with that fight knew. And when I say knew, there's a difference between receiving uh, correspondence from UCAD or knowing, hearing that it's happened. And people from the promotion, the broadcast, certainly the British Boxing Board of Control, they knew about that situation. Um, look, it's, it's a fight on the night of, uh, it's a test on the night of the fight. I think the one thing here is I've been quite quiet about it because it's very easy for me to say and pick holes in another complete mess here, right? Because, you know, Ben Shalom came out and said, I, just I, I didn't know anything about it. First time I've ever heard anything about it this morning. And I spoke to Robert Smith. He's not heard about it either. Robert Smith knew about it months and months and months ago. And the reality here, and I'm just going to say it, UCAD, the British Boxing Board of Control, in terms of the procedures around testing, is not fit for purpose. Simple as that. You have got a situation where a fighter failed a test, not 12 months ago, as someone said on TalkSport. I mean, I heard Simon Jordan and Spencer Oliver say, oh, you know, um, terrible that the board didn't know anything about this. You know, ben Shalom came on and said the board didn't know anything about it. The board knew about it months and months and months ago. By the way, when people say, oh, the promoter doesn't get alerted. Yes, they do. When, I, when Dillian White failed a UCAD test, Robert Smith knew immediately and contacted me immediately to let me know. You're telling me that the promoter of a show doesn't, wouldn't find out that a fighter on his show had tested positive in a post-fight test. All right. Can well, I ask you a question? Does this make well, any difference to the test being done before the fight or after the fight? In I mean, whatever the promoter knows, just because you're talking about Dillian, look, I know, I know, I know for a fact people around that show show me. But anyway, I'm not cast that aside. Not getting into that. Yeah. Let's talk about the bridge boxing border control, right? Let's talk about 14 months ago, a fighter failed a test, and we found out 14 months later, right? Now you can say, oh yeah, but he's retired. I mean, all this stuff. The end of the day, and there is an element. What Robert Smith said today today is correct in some respects, and this is another problem in general. It's a confidential process, right? As is the WBC, as is all these things. The problem is fourteen months, right? Why on earth does it take fourteen months to go through that procedure of a UCAD failed test on that night, right? So. Robert Smith knew as soon as, you know, when I spoke to Robert Smith around the Conor Ben situation, I said to him, when the VADA test came in, we need to check his UCAD tests, please. Has he failed his UCAD tests? And he said, no, we only get alerted if there's a fail. So he hasn't. But let me go and speak to him now because it's a separate situation. Check, he passed all his UCAD tests. So Robert knows, of course he does. It's ridiculous for someone to say that the board don't know if someone fails a board test via UCAD. Ridiculous. Anyway, but why I was negotiating with Amir Khan six months ago to fight Manny Pacquiao. 
right? And he's failed a test. So it's just the whole thing is completely all over the place. And no one really asks any questions because it's not me. So fuck everybody. I, I, like, I, I see it all unfold. I saw the fight disciples. Oh, yeah, no, what happens is, um, this is, I've never read, I was going to email Adam or message Adam and go, what are you talking about? What are you talking about the ball didn't know? I mean, you know, Kel Brook spoke to Kel the other day. Kel's sitting there thinking, Jesus Christ, 14 months ago I fought this guy. I've only just found out. He was, he was, he's tested positive on the night of the fight. So I can't even be bothered to get into it because no one even want to ask, wants to even ask questions. They've asked me questions for, and I know the situation's different, but there's so many flaws to what's just happened. But yet no one is prepared to ask the questions. Again, like TalkSport, Simon Jordan, all those people. And it's, it, what it comes down to is the board regarding drug testing and UCAD are not fit for purpose. There's got to be a radical change now. And there has to be a radical change to the rules with promoters to sit down and put in infrastructure that if a fighter tests positive, this is what happens. And we can't go to a point where it's false. You look at it now and say, oh, let, let's, let's, um, let's, how confusing the Conor Ben situation is compared to the Amir Khan situation, right? How long is a Conor Ben hearing going to take with UK? That's just taken 14 months, right? And this is, in my opinion, 10 times more complicated. I mean, it's, it's all over the place. It really is. And again, no one really asks the questions. And, you know, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see who's interrogated on this one. Okay. How much has it got to do with the fact, right? Now, just hear me out here. Because I'm going from Amir Khan's comments that he made in his first Sky interview, where they kind of collared him outside, whatever, wherever he was walking out of. And they asked him a couple of questions, which he answered. So how much of the fact of Hell Brook won the fight, first of all. Secondly, Amir Khan is a retired fighter and has what? been. Now, hold on, hold on. Mad? Just listen to Just listen to me. <laughs> just listen to me. Just I can't listen believe to me. I'm hearing it. No, but... I cannot believe I'm hearing it. All right, look, I'm saying... Uh, are you absolutely bonkers? So he lost. So he lost. <laughs> what you're saying is, I mean, look, he lost and he's retired. So leave it. Don't worry about it. I mean, I'm, not saying, work, that, I'm not saying that. I'm just going from Amir Khan's comments he made when he was interviewed by Sky, yeah, in reference to this. Yeah, that's all I'm talking about. I'm not saying, oh, but he's retired. I'm not saying that. And he lost the fight. I'm not saying that. I'm just asking you about his comments that he made right, in reference to when it was asked to him about this substance that was found, uh, that he failed a test for. Oh, what, when Amir said, well, I lost, you know, like, obviously, I'm not, you know, they, they kind of worked because I lost. So, I mean, the whole thing, look, all I know is, I listened to Dominic Ingalls interview, right, and it doesn't, and again, maybe you should ask the, the expert, Victor Content. you know, it doesn't really make sense for a fighter to pass all his VADA and test positive for that substance on the night. Like, you do know that generally on the night, no fighter ever, oops, no fighter that is cheating 
really filed an on-the-night drug test. It's just like history will tell you that. So it actually doesn't really make sense. But what I'm saying is, is the procedure, this is what I'm saying, the flawed procedure around the Conor Ben situation. And all these people, Don McRae wants to do four, four pages of articles about me, right? Rather than also looking at, okay, when you talk about blame on the situation, let's look at how the board acted in that situation of Conor Ben. And now let's look how the board and UK have acted in another situation a couple of months on. So you sit there, all these people, you know, on the high horse, I'm not going to name them. Oh, this is disgusting. We've really got to make a change in the sport. Oh, yes. I mean, this is, we've got to stand. And they're sitting there going, oh, I've got, I know that a fighter failed to test them, but we're all keeping it. And again, speaking to people, it's only when it comes out and then you speak to someone, oh, so-and-so knew, because so-and-so told me about that six months ago, so. And it's like, you know, but anyway, it is what it is. I really can't be asked. Honestly, I'd rather just move on. You because, mentioned... And I, I know for eight months, eight months, I've had it every day. And no one ever looked at anyone else. No one looked at the British Boxing Board of Control. No one looks at the situation where they're, you know... Yeah, so honestly, move on. Is she back? She, someone knocked on the door and then peeked in and I was trying to look really corporate. Mary else, almost, you know, the um, interest rates will look like the Bank of England should uh, increase theirs next week. Yeah, yeah. you are. Eddie, all, just... they can hear is, all they can hear is, you know, yeah, he took the drugs and, you know, it's like... Eddie, you're talking about... Um, you mentioned Victor Conte. Did you see his tweet earlier? That's his Twitter account. Mate. Asking about why there's no drug testing for the Bam Rodriguez fight. Did you say that? There's testing from the commission. We don't. Look, we, like every other promotional company, do not have VADA testing for every single show. We do it for the biggest fights possible. It costs a lot of money. The commission, whose job it is to test, will have testing in place. We also have additional agencies that test that are at a lower cost, but with the same high standards. Drug-free sport is one. Um, there's other agencies that have been used in the past. But Victor Conti's on one. On one for me. Literally. And I said the other day, I haven't met him. He said, oh, I did. I shook your hand once at the first comment. I'm sorry. I didn't, didn't remember that. But I've messaged him before. Actually, one of them was asking about drug-free sport because I wanted his opinion on credible agencies. But anyway, let's see if they write four pages about British Boxing Border Control tonight. When I spoke to Callis Allen today, and I said to him specifically, what angers you regarding this Khan situation with the board in reference to your own situation regarding um, Ben and Eubank, he said communication, right? Like, as in the lack of. So I'll ask you the same question. What is it specifically about this situation with Amir Khan that we've learned a little bit of, not everything, but what we've that heard? The whole system with the British Boxing Border Control is completely flawed and UKED. It's not fit for purpose. I'm sorry. And that's not a criticism of Robert Smith. I like Robert Smith. And I think the board do a good job. Their testing procedures and the way that it's governed, the way that it's run, you've got a situation with a fighter, 14 months. By the way, he could have, he could still be fighting. You know, they haven't made an announcement that he's suspended. Did he, did he hand in his license? Did he resign his license when he retired from the sport? 
you know, you've got a situation where that guy maybe wasn't suspended subject to the, the result of the hearing. Could have boxed. I was negotiating with him to fight Manny Pacquiao six months ago. There was talk about him doing a rematch with Carol Brook as well, so... I know. Well, he had a rematch clause with a failed test. So, would the board have allowed that fight to take place? Because we hadn't had a result of the hearing? You're asking the wrong geezer. Eddie, what do you also think about the fact that um, they've accepted uh, there was no intent there from Amir Khan, but giving him a two-year ban due to strict liability? I mean... Does that make I think sense? It's very hard. I think, yeah, I think it's harsh that someone, there was no one intentionally cheated, but you still receive a two-year ban. But I understand strict liability. And you have to prove to yourself that... Are there? Sorry. It's all right, no problem. Come on, uh, you have to prove. You, have, you know, you have to prove. I think there's a difference between wasn't intentional and contamination. If you can prove the contamination or faulty process, it's different to it's in it's in my system. I ingested it, but I didn't do it. You know, I, I don't know the exact procedure, but that's I guess that's what they're saying. They're saying he didn't intentionally cheat, but he ingested it. But can't prove that, ultimately. The difference between this situation and Conor Ben's situation in reference to strict liability is the fact that Conor Ben has or is in the process of proving contamination, correct? Well, he's been he's been exonerated by the WBC. Correct, but I meant a reference uh, to the board. Obviously, that's still ongoing. That's yes, right. yes. But again, I mean, that process that's just transpired it's taken 14 months. So I would say, in terms of the complication of the situation, that would probably put Conor Ben's case on about two years. So what happens whilst that case is ongoing? He can't fight for 14 months to two years? Have you reached... Something... Oh, I said to Robert Smith on Saturday, let's have a sit down. Come on, we need to get together. Said, no, no, send, send the document. So no, no, listen... We need to talk about this because you've lost your head. He's eager. He's got. He's gone mental. Let's just calm down. So, it's, and the, you know, but that's my. That's one of my questions. From how long does this process take? Oh, I don't know. I can't tell you that. Well, that one, one test after a fight has just taken you fourteen months. The whole system not fit for purpose. Completely fundamentally flawed. How, what's your next step then into bridge the gap between? Um... I've asked for a meeting with Robert Smith. I said I would want I want to get together and discuss the process of how we move forward. And the response to that has been what? Not really up for it, but we'll have a chat. It's kind of the response. Why wouldn't he be up for it? He obviously wants to get the situation. Because sorted. I don't think he wants to talk about it. He wants he wants to just send the document in and let them do their work. And I said no, I want to talk about the procedure behind it because he's not a licensed fighter. And I feel like you're acting inappropriately. I feel like Conor Ben's acting inappropriately. I would just like to have a conversation so we can find a way to move forward. Eddie, following um, some comments that Callis Allen made today, he's kind of maybe suggesting that the Eubank-Conor Ben fight isn't currently sitting at the top of the table. Is that accurate? Uh, I mean, we, we don't have a deal. But I think by term, the end of this week... He used the term, it's been flirted with, which doesn't sound too I positive. Think, 
Yeah, I think that's a good... I mean, it's been negotiated, flirted with, if you like, if Keller likes to use that one, yeah. I mean, we've, we've, we've been in negotiations, but we don't have a deal yet, but we will be making a decision by the end of this week. What is plan B? Who is plan B? Um, I think plan B would probably be a fight in America. A fight in America or an American fighter? Both. So, Conor Ben is not necessarily going to headline your June the 3rd card? In no. Abu Dhabi. Okay. Not necessarily. But one of the potential fights for that card is Conor Ben against Chris Eubank. Okay. I'd love to know what your plan B in general is for Abu Dhabi. There's a lot of plans. Because you said it's going one to be... Of, uh, one of them might include World Heavyweight Championship. Really? Maybe. I don't want to know anyway, mate, to be honest. No, of course you don't. Anyway, you need to move this on, son, because it's sooner or later I'm getting out. I don't want it to be on Zoom. Okay, fair enough. Right, let's talk about this situation that's arose over the last few days regarding Ellie Scottney and Chantel Cameron. Obviously, Chantel Cameron's headlining uh, your May 20th show in Dublin against Katie Taylor for Undisputed. Ellie Scottney was due to be fighting for a world title on... Uh, that undercard. That is not the case anymore. We've seen statements from Ellie Scottney and also from Chantel Cameron. Can you give me your side of what's been going on regarding Yeah, that? I mean, to be honest, I've read both statements and pretty much both are accurate, really. I mean, we had a situation where on the day of the press conference, we'd agreed terms with Shanika Johnson to fight Ellie Scottney. And I announced at the press conference that Ellie Scottney would fight for a world title on the card. I'm definitely not taking responsibility completely for a mistake, but I didn't really think, even stop to think about the previous issues between Chantel and, and Shane McGuigan and the McGuigans. Maybe I should have, but I just felt that it was a good fight for the card. And after the press conference, Chantel and her team were, were completely shocked that we put that fight on the card, bearing in mind the very volatile ex-relationship between her and Shane and, and the McGuigans. And they were quite adamant that that fight shouldn't be on and Shane McGuigan particularly should not be around. And, and I, you know, this is the most important week of my life it would really affect me and I believe my preparation, my, my emotional state, him being around and therefore my performance. And I was like, Jesus. Anyway, that night or the night after, I called Ellie Scottney. We had a long chat. She was devastated. And I said, look, I don't know what we're going to do here. I think it might be an idea Perhaps we can look at putting you in a separate hotel, et cetera, so that you're, you know, they're not around on fight week. And, and I spoke to Shane and they, and they were receptive for that. So look, you know, and I said to Ellie to reach out to Chantel, which she did. And Chantel came back and said, look, I understand this fight is so important to me. I can't have any distractions and this would definitely distract me. Um, but let me speak to my trainer and you know, maybe we'll look at other hotels, etc. This was about two weeks ago, maybe. And then they talked about it. I went back on it. And then 
just before the AJ fight, we had a conversation, which was basically, look, they've talked about it as a team and they don't want anything to affect Chantel's preparation for that fight. They don't want that fight on the card. And, you know, it was a really difficult decision. And I've seen people say, you know, who's calling the shots here? At the end of the day, there is a chance that Chantel Cameron, and, and I don't want to play a game of bluff with anyone at the same time, could have pulled out of that fight if that was the situation. That was the initial conversation from her and her team. It seems like she w probably would have pulled out the fight, just reading the statement. Yes, that, it was that serious. And I know it's easy for people to say that's ridiculous, but that's how strongly she feels about it. So there is no doubt that it would have affected her on fight week. I'm also devastated for Ellie Scotland. Like, it's a very difficult this situation for me because I can't really win either way. It's unfair on Ellie, completely unfair on Ellie, right? And by the way, one thing that must be made clear, Ellie Scotney hasn't lost her world title opportunity. She's mandatory for Shanika Johnson. She's 100% fighting her next. And it looks like it's even going to be a week after or two weeks after. But that's not the point. It was this specific card. Ludabella had agreed to do the fight on this card. Shanika Johnson was excited to do the fight on the card. Of course, so was Ellie Scotney. But I had to make a call. You know, are we potentially going to run the risk of losing the show and that fight or you know people say oh you should have stood firm and stand firm and you know go through a situation fall out of everyone and someone pulls out of a fight or uh, i couldn't win in the situation and to be honest both girls statements I, I i completely get i think it's not fair on ellie i probably shouldn't have put the fight on it on in the show in the first place but i didn't think i didn't not so I didn't know about the history, but I just didn't think it was that deep and I didn't even think it would be a problem. And then straight after that press conference, it was like, almost like, I'm not fighting if, if, if he's, you know. And then from there, we've been trying to manage the situation. We've been trying to be fair to everybody. And now we've gone back to Ludabella to try to rearrange that fight, probably for June 10th. Could be May 27, but we'll have to see. But Ellie's not losing her world title shot. No way. But... We couldn't make it happen on that card. Honest truth, like that, that's the situation. So best case scenario you can do for Ellie now is to just, like you said, put her on one of those cards coming up and, yeah, the whole, obviously, just reading from her statement. Yeah, she's going to be a week later or two weeks later. But it's, it's more about, you know, that, that obviously that card, you know, and everything. And it, I felt ter terrible for Ellie. And, you know, I felt like she handled it the right way. She reached out to Chantel. To be fair, Chantel came back. They spoke about it. They went backwards and forwards. And in the end, Chantel just said, I'm sorry, I can't. This fight is everything to me. I'm not going to damage my preparation, particularly on fight weekend, and when I need to get everything right to win this fight. And I understand that as well, but one of those situations. Did Katie Taylor have any opinion on this? No. Okay, um, just a couple of other little things. I mean, what what do you think about the WBA ordering now? Usyk and Dubois, thirty days until the negotiation. Yeah, I mean, look, I think I like Daniel Dubois, but who on earth has he beat to become mandatory for Alexander Usyk? 
Trevor Bryan and Kevin Lorena and Bogdan Dino. But listen, fair play to him. You know, I think Joe Joyce should be getting a shot well ahead of him. But good luck to him. Um, I don't I don't necessarily believe he'll be ready for that fight, especially if there's a purse bid, but I'm sure um Alex Krasik and, and Queensbury can reach a deal and good luck to him and then Philip Hergovic will await the winner. If it goes to purse bids, you're gonna get involved? Yes. Of course you are, mate. Of course you are. Um I see you on was it MMA fighting the other day? Is that what you were on? Yeah. So you've listed three opponents potentially for Joshua next, haven't you? Is that or did you just make Have I? Yeah. No, I think I just get asked all the time. Look, we we gotta decide. There's a lot of talks going on about some very big fights in December. And we've just got to decide we're gonna fight in July. Is he gonna fight twice more this year? Yes. Once in July, once in December. Okay, that's good. Exciting. I know. So we've just got to decide what type of fight we want for December. Uh, sorry, for July. Is it is it do we go straight into a massive fight now? Bob Aaron phoned me the other day, which was quite a surprise. Um, just talking about AJ Fury, he said, What 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 are you thinking? And I said, I don't know, really. I said, I'm, we're all up for discussing the fight. I don't know. I don't think there's going to be a major sight for in July. But we're still willing to look at the numbers. Or if you want to wait and do it in, later in the year, we're up for that too. But who knows what's going to happen with Usyk, with Wilder. Um, we'll have to see. But AJ's going to fight in July, 100%. If there is these talks of AJ and Fury, will Saudi come into play? Back in for this. Yeah, but it might not be AJ. I mean, look, you've got Wilders in the mix as well. Mm. So who knows? AJ Wilder, Fury Usyk, AJ Fury, Wilder Usyk. I don't know. I mean, anything's possible. But obviously those four are the big big boys of the division at the moment. And um, there's some big options for them. Mm. Um, Errol Spence and Terence Crawford looks like it's closing in potentially. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we heard all this last time, didn't we? For many Three months. Seven, but I hope so. Be fantastic. I've heard that date's not necessarily correct, but um, fantastic if we can get that fight over the line. Love to see it. What a fight! You've got um, obviously on May twenty seventh, we're going three broadcaster deep. Yeah, shows. Um, not ideal, is it? Whatever way you look at it, is it? Oh, not really. Um, but listen, sometimes. Your broadcaster wants to fight on a specific date. Sometimes the venue isn't available. Um, we've got the best fight, unquestionably. I've seen that across the polls and stuff like that. So we're going to have a great card, May 27th. So we'll do our thing. Everyone will do their thing. It's not the first time there's been a clash. Free well told. Uh, so. Yeah, what's the other one? Oh, Condon. That's a good fight. Condon yeah, yeah. Lopez. Yeah, they're all good fights. Though. I think Woodlar is the standout fight, but they're all three good fights. Okay. Um, yeah, I think we're pretty much there at this time. What are you doing now then, mate? What's the crack? Like, tell me your... Client, client, there's a delay, actually. <laughs> there's a delay. Um, I'll land in San Antonio about half 12 tonight. And then we've got the press conference. By the way, I've got to say, we'll do some stuff tomorrow 
Our card in San Antonio on Saturday is unbelievable. I swear to you, tune in and you will see. Jesse Rodriguez looking to become a two-division world champion. At Madaliev against Tapales, unified world super bantamweight championship. Banger. Ray Ford against Magdaleno. Unbelievable. Thomas Gunnerboy Matisse against Cessna. Absolute war. Mark Castro. Um, so many other fighters on the card. And honestly, it is an absolute banging card. Israel Madrimov. I think he's even on before the belt, the card's so big. I like the Ford and Magdaleno fight. That's a, that's a good Unbelievable fight. fight. Ray Ford is, for me, one of the best prospects in US boxing. And he just wants smoke. And he's like, I'll fight anybody. And we went, and Jesse Magdaleno came on to us and said, I'd love to be with Matrim. I'd love to. Hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm leaving now. The lady just let me do I'm just finishing an interview. Oh, I'm going. Okay, no problem, no problem. So, um, anyway, it was great talking. It's Eddie Hearn! No, she doesn't care who it is, anyway. But we've finished anyway, so... That's all right, no problem. Um, uh, yeah, so other than that, it's a great card on Saturday in San Antonio, and I'll be there for the press conference tomorrow. Weighing on Friday. Fight night Saturday. And, and, I don't know if you know this, but on Saturday, you can go to your Sky Channel 429 and watch the zone. Or you can watch it on Virgin. Or you can watch it on your phone, your tablet, your smart TV, or any other device. Or you can watch it in the pub. Actually, you can't watch this Saturday in the pub in the UK because it'll be like one o'clock in the morning. How many subscribers did you get off the back of Joshua? A lot. What? You said between three and 400,000. Go on. Mm -hmm. What? Mm -hmm. That's how many said I believe we'll be watching the fight Saturday. You just cut out, you just said that. Say that again. Yeah. Yes, that's how many I said I'll be watching the fight on Saturday. Did you not say you're going to get 300 to 400 more subscribers, uh, 100,000 more subscribers? Man, I can't remember. Run it back. I'm sure that's what you were quoted as saying. I'm, I'm just saying. But you did yeah, all I right. Actually, I actually don't know. It was a big success. Great success. It was great success. <laughs> right, I've got to go because this yeah, young lady's got to me. Money out. I'm going to bed. This is, can I just tell right. you, this is 10 to 1 on Thursday morning, so this will be out later on. Edward. All right, thank you. Cheers. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network.